T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning and welcome to the morning briefing for Tuesday, September 4th, 2018. Almost said Monday there, of course. It's a holiday week, so we are, well, starting off things on Tuesday as opposed to Monday this week. And this Tuesday, we're going to be talking to Jill Pavel from Heart Songs for Veterans. She is uh, someone who's worked in the marketing and recording industries for a long time. And Heart Songs for Veterans is this really wonderful program that allows uh, musicians to essentially donate their songs and the royalties from them to veterans' issues, including a number of veteran artists who are out there. So we're going to talk to Jill about that coming up a little bit later on in the show. And, well, that's about it. Justin Brown from Hill Vets isn't going to be able to make it in today. So we are going to talk to Jill today. It's going to be an abbreviated Tuesday show as we kick off this abbreviated post-Labor Day week. Jake Hughes now joins us in studio. Super producer Jake Hughes. For those of you not in the know, Jake, how was your weekend? Uh, my weekend was really good. I uh, spent some time gaming with some friends. I actually went on a date that went rather well. Ooh. Yeah. When you get married. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's pump the brakes there, Turbo. Uh, so yeah, but that went well, and then, uh, just had a quiet, you know, Monday became my Sunday, which is the day of reset where you clean, do laundry, all that stuff. Yeah, so for us, uh, Saturday, I wasn't feeling well, uh, you know, I, I had a cold last week towards the end of the week, like, Wednesday night, I started, Wednesday afternoon at work, I started feeling it, and I was like, uh, I don't like this, I coughed, and the cough was just a little bit different than a normal, like, clear-in-your-throat cough. Thursday and Friday, I was miserable. And then on Saturday, I was miserable again. Sunday, my uh, father-in-law and his new wife uh, came down to visit. My father-in-law and his new wife, who a few weeks ago, we went up to get uh, a, a dresser that was my wife's that her father was holding on to. They live in uh, Pennsylvania, not too far from us. So we drove up there. It's about an hour trip drive back down, and right before we leave, they go, oh, hey, uh, we got married this week. <laughs> oh, you did? Yep. Didn't tell her, didn't tell his uh, his new bride's daughter, didn't tell anybody, but uh, we found out then, and congratulations uh, to them, and of course, now they've been married for like three weeks, and things, I guess, seem to be going well, but they were down on Sunday, and then yesterday, um, I was feeling a little bit better Thankfully, because uh, my wife had plans and my son Decker, who those of you who listened to the show on Friday got to hear uh, how he can have an effect on things even when he's not making much noise, knocking over our camera in studio <laughs> and all sorts of other stuff. We went to the Maryland State Fair yesterday. Um, I was feeling a little bit better. Here's the thing, though. Yesterday, Jake, about 98 degrees up in Timonium, Maryland, where the State Fair took place. So literally sweating the moment I got out of the car seems like I kind of swept most of the sick out of me while I was out there. I mean, I was uh, horribly dehydrated as well, but we had a great time, you know, seeing the animals, going on the rides. Actually got my son. He had been, for whatever reason, he refused to go on Ferris wheels. He was scared of them. They're too tall. And as my wife said to me yesterday, think about it. They're big to us. What must it look like to him? 
got him to go on the Ferris wheels after going on some earlier, smaller rides, and uh, he had a great time there. And yeah, you know, state fairs, you're from Texas, where the state fair is uh, bigger than the entire state of Maryland for the most part. So yeah, yeah our state fair, though, up there was, uh, it was pretty good. We had a good time, got to eat some, uh, some lovely barbecue pulled pork sandwiches, which I pointed out to my wife. I was like, hey, maybe this is the pig that came in second place in the contest. <laughs> She said, I don't care. It's delicious. I was like, yep, that's why I love you. So had a great uh, long weekend, but now ready to get back to things for this abbreviated week, which I was thinking means for me just have to do some work a lot faster because Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of each week, I also produce a show that's uh, produced right here at ConnectingVets.com that I host, CBS Eye on Veterans, which airs on 40 plus stations around the country, radio stations. You can go to ConnectingVets.com and search CBS Eye on Veterans to find the list of everywhere that it airs around the country. I no longer have Monday this week to produce on it, so I have two days to get done what I get done in three days on a normal week, but eh, it's no problem. I'll be able to do it. It will not be an issue because I like getting things done. You know who else likes getting things done and sometimes even does, Jake? Who's that, Eric? The VA. Ah. Sometimes they get things done. And on the medical side, they usually get things done and get it done the right way. It's that bureaucratic side that you have to worry about. But here's something that's uh, a little bit of a combination. Apparently, the VA is going to provide $200 million for thousands of community-based temporary beds for those in need who are homeless. That was recently announced by the VA. This is through the Grant and Per Diem program. They'll award $2.7 million to renew 12 special need grants to support services for women vets, those with chronic mental illnesses, and veterans who have dependents under age 18. It's estimating the funding will sustain more than 13,000 transitional housing beds, and then there's going to be a lot more going out on that. Last year, housing and urban development officials found about 40,000 homeless veterans, an increase of about 600 from the previous year. It was the first time in seven years the number of homeless vets increased. Now, it's the number that they found increased. How many out there are they not finding? Because of the different ways people are homeless. We've talked to people about this before. Uh, Women veterans tend not to be homeless in the same way that male veterans do, where they are staying at friends and family members. They don't have their own home. They're staying in the guest room or on the couch or doing whatever. There are, of course, those people who won't tell anybody that they were in the military, and then maybe this year they did tell somebody. So it's difficult to tell exactly what that number means. But in two thousand, uh, in the fiscal year 2017 alone, 600 grant-funded nonprofits across the nation provided shelter to more than 23,000 veterans. Beds are limited to the veteran, not their family members, but there is legislation to expand those same services to children. So essentially, there are a lot of programs out there for veterans, but it doesn't take into account that they might have children with them. Again, this becomes more of an issue with the women veterans who tend to have custody of children more often. When we think of the homeless veteran, I mean, if I say homeless veteran, who who pops into your mind? Describe the person you see when you think homeless veteran, Jake. Some really tan guy with a scraggly beard. Yeah, maybe a Vietnam veteran ball yeah. cap on his head or something like that. Yes, there are a lot of people who fit into that description. There are also a lot who don't. And we've talked to some uh, over the last year and a half on this show, people who uh, ended up homeless in different ways. There was a guy who uh, started a company that's teaching people how to be chefs homeless veterans teaching them how to get into the culinary industry. He was homeless and basically just lived under a bridge in his car, looked like 
you or I, well, maybe that's not the best example because the two of us can look homeless uh, sometimes, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he did not fit the description that you would think of a homeless veteran, but there he was living under an overpass in his car, chose the overpass that he did specifically because it was close to the VA medical center. Uh, I believe it was out in California when we talked to him, but there is also uh, H.R. 4099, that's the Homeless Veteran Families Act. It's a bipartisan bill that would allow children of homeless vets to be included in the total amounts of per diem grants. So, again, this could be uh, a boon for those families who find themselves not homeless in the way that you typically uh, think of homelessness, like living under an overpass, whether you're in your car or not. But if you're staying at, you know, friend's house, family member's house or something like that, Anyone who does not own their own domicile or rent it is homeless. If you don't have a place to stay that you can call your own, you're homeless. Even if you're staying with friends and family on a non-permanent basis, that counts as homelessness. So H.R. 4099 would amend Title 38 of the United States Code to ensure that children of homeless veterans are included in that calculation, which would allow, um, you know, basically kids to be able to take part in those programs that are set up to have beds for homeless vets because if they have their kids with them, need to take care of those kids as well. Something else popped in the news this weekend, Jake, which we would be remiss if we didn't discuss because we've talked about it on the show quite a bit. Uh, NFL season is coming. It's going to start, I think, this coming weekend is the uh, opening weekend of the NFL and Nike launched their newest ad campaign. I can see Jake shaking his head and rubbing his eyes already. That new ad campaign featuring a close-up of Colin Kaepernick and saying, you know, you sacrifice everything because it's the right thing to do. Uh, a lot of people talking about this, a lot of veterans. Uh, that's the angle that we're most interested in, of course, because of what we do. Have you seen the ad yet, Jake? I have seen it, and I saw a very funny uh, meme that had uh, it's it had a picture of Thanos from Avengers Infinity War yeah. and said believe in something even if it costs half of everything <laughs> yeah this uh, Colin Kaepernick just do it ad for Nike says believe in something even if it means sacrificing everything um, yeah okay uh, I guess wasn't he benched before he started the whole protest thing uh, he, he was, eh, you know, I don't know about that. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Cause well, I'm not a San Francisco 49ers fan. Uh, my, my favorite NFL team is the Oakland Raiders. Although haven't watched a down of preseason football, not really planning to watch a lot of football this year, not because of the flag thing, but just because last year at one point, uh, as the team wasn't doing well, and I was still spending Sundays sitting there watching uh, them lose. Essentially. I thought to myself, why am I wasting so much time? So much time that I could be spending with my son. Instead, I'm sitting here in front of the TV for four hours. And because I'm not local there and I don't have the uh, the direct TV package I used to have, I'm watching other teams' highlights more than I'm watching the team that I would prefer to uh, actually watch highlights. So I just just lost interest at some point about halfway through last season. Um, it's not just going to feature Colin Kaepernick. It's also going to feature Odell Beckham Jr., Shaquem Griffin, uh, a lot of interesting people out there. Griffin's left, left hand was amputated when he was a child. You know, This is a guy who's overcome adversity to get to the point where he is. Um, I've seen a lot of things on social media. Some people uh, responding with uh, uh, pictures of Pat Tillman about sacrificing everything. Okay, I guess. I, you know, it, it's it's taken on this this life of its own where I think the uh, uh, 
the original intent of Mr. Kaepernick's uh, uh, protest, which, again, I think there there are problems with the original intent of his protest when you start looking at things objectively. You can you can have a whole discussion there on police brutality, what it is, what it isn't, and so on and so forth. It's become this thing about veterans and and the it, military. It's not meant to be about military No, it's not, veterans. but the, the reason that people get upset about it is the flag is very closely tied to the military and veteran community, the people who really put everything on the line to defend it. Colin Kaepernick, uh, you know, hey, he's a professional football player who made a few million dollars already uh, before he was released uh, from his team, the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, he's done pretty well for himself. Uh, he took a stand that may or may not have cost him his job, depending on what you think. And I believe there's a lawsuit for a collusion between the teams, although uh, that's interesting. I mean, if an employer decides not to hire you for something that you're doing, it's kind of the employer's prerogative, I would think. But he's uh, claiming in the courts that the teams basically got together and said, no one will hire him. If you hire him, you'll be blackballed, blah, 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 blah. We'll see exactly uh, what happens with that. But the flag is something that holds uh, a great amount of importance to me. It really does. It's something that I will always stand for, uh, whether it's going by me in a parade, whether it's the national anthem before an event, whether it's whatever the case may be, because that flag is symbolic of this country and of the people, of course, who have sacrificed everything uh, in the line of duty, whether they be firefighters, police officers, military members, and so on and so forth. This country is pretty amazing, and it's done some pretty amazing things. We planted that flag on the moon. You know of any other flags that are planted up on the moon? Nope. There's another controversy involving that, where apparently in the upcoming film about Neil Armstrong starring Ryan Gosling, they took out the part where they plant the flag on the moon. <laughs> and Ryan Gosling, in defending it, Canadian Ryan Gosling, let's be sure to point out, said essentially, well, it's more of a, a, an accomplishment of mankind more than just the United States. Is it? Yeah. How many non-Americans were part of that space program? Non-American citizens. It's, it's, it's very interesting. This kind of uh, th that's what I would call revisionist history. Not when we're talking about like Chuck Yeager breaking the sound barrier, or was it George Welsh? Turns out it was probably George Welsh. But th the fact that Neil Armstrong certainly planted that flag and was proud to have done so, and and now they're trying to say like, well, that wasn't really what he was all about. Yeah, it kind of was what he was all about. It was yeah, think, something that he was pretty proud of. Yeah, I think on uh, on Labor Day, uh, Buzz Aldrin posts a picture of him saluting the flag on the moon. Yeah. So, like, you know, kind of, huh? Yeah, I mean, if if, uh, if Buzz thinks that that's a pretty big deal, and Neil did during his time, but now Hollywood's telling us it didn't. I, You know, but when it comes back to the Kaepernick ad, uh, stop putting pictures of Pat Tillman up there. His family has asked that you not do that, and you should certainly respect that. Um, also, there are a lot of people who still don't know exactly uh, what happened, it seemed, with Pat Tillman, that uh, he was very unfortunately a victim of friendly fire, and it does seem that there was at least some effort to kind of cover that up uh, and use him for um, other purposes to say, like, oh, look, he, he gave his life in battle. Yeah, kind of, but he wasn't killed by the enemy. Um, anyway, his family asked people not to do that. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, it's, it's a totally separate issue, but it brings up an interesting thing to me as well, which came up just a couple of weeks ago. Of course, this past week, 
All of the uh, services in memoriam to John McCain were taking place. And early last week, we really didn't talk about it much on the show. There was a big discussion about the flags being lowered to half staff. Now, according to the flag code, you lower it to half staff the day that someone's dies, the day after, and then after that, it comes back up. McCain dies Saturday, flags lowered to half staff at the White House. It's down at half staff on Sunday. On Monday, it was back up. People lost their minds. Some of those people were the same people who, when they say Colin Kaepernick is not pro it's just, the flag is just a symbol. That's all it is. Why are you so worried about someone disrespecting the flag? Some of those same people seemingly very upset about the flag when it came to something that could be used for their political purposes, which That's illustrates true. something to me very clearly. Uh, it's only a symbol when you want it to be, and it's something more than that when you don't want it to be, uh, or when you want it to be, I should say. There is, for me, no difference. It's always symbolic of this country. And, you know, for people who say it's just a symbol, okay, you know what else is just a symbol? Gravestones. What if I wanted to protest child abuse? And by doing that, I went through a cemetery and started knocking over gravestones in order to protest child abuse. Stop that. That's my grandfather. That's my father. That's my mother. These are just symbols. It's not really them. And I am protesting against this. Just... You know, you got to understand that people are going to take those symbols very personally. And you've got a lot of people right now who don't think that you should be able to have an opinion that disagrees with theirs. That's the big key. Here's where I differ on that. And I think you do too, Jake. I don't know. You tell me. I would prefer that NFL players stand. Exactly. For the national anthem. I would like them to. I've been, I've had, I have people unfriend me on Facebook for making that very statement. I would prefer that they stand. I'm not going to force them to. In fact, if anyone were to try to force them to through physical means, I would do anything I could in my power to defend them and keep that from happening because it is their right to do so. It absolutely is. And for those saying, no, it's not their right. Well, they're on the company dime and but you're not the owner of the team the owner of the team wants to fire them also they're a union there's all sorts of labor laws involved there uh, let's not get into labor law let's get into what is and isn't allowed in this country it is their right it's not a first amendment right i mean it kind of is but it isn't first amendment essentially says the government will not imprison you for yeah saying first something. amendment says the government can't tell you what to say it doesn't say anything yeah. about private doesn't say anything about your private employer so you know if jerry jones and the dallas cowboys say that they're gonna you know suspend anybody who kneels and then that comes down to a discussion between them and the union and so on and so forth i would prefer that they stand i think that they should stand I accept and will defend their right to protest. Very similar to what Nate Boyer said. And Nate Boyer has become kind of a, a I don't know what, 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 what term I would say, a little bit of a lightning rod for some people. He's a Green Beret. He's a veteran. He served over there. He's done uh, a lot for this country. He was the one who convinced Colin Kaepernick to kneel instead of sitting because he saw sitting as even more disrespectful. So he said, why don't you take a knee? And then you can make your statement that way. A lot of people think that uh, Nate Boyer was doing so because he agreed with what Kaepernick is saying and what Kaepernick is doing. He has absolutely come out and said, no, I do not agree with what he's doing. I would prefer that they stand. I thought this was a less insulting protest, and I thought this was a way for them to convey their means. I would rather that they stand, but again, I will defend their right to protest. And it's something that... It's it's it seems so very clear to me that that's exactly what the discussion here is. But then you have extremes on both sides, much like 
when John McCain died, where you had extremists saying, you know, he's the worst and extremists saying he's perfect. The truth lies somewhere in the middle. We now have extremists saying anyone who says that they should be allowed to kneel is hates America. Okay, that's absolutely not the case. I believe they should be allowed to kneel. It's their right to do so, and it's my right to do whatever I want in response to that as long as it's not violent. It's my right to not watch the NFL. It's my right to not give any money to the uh, National Football League or Nike or whoever the case may be. These are all rights that we have. No one should be trying to stop them from doing that physically. You can ask them to. You can ask them, please stand like AMVETS did. And man, did AMVETS catch some hell from people on that. But you know what? They felt it was the right thing to do. Their membership felt it was the right thing to do. So they made that statement, and they still are to this day. They're not changing their uh, the, what they what they believe the flag stands for. It stands for a lot of great things. Not a perfect country. Not by any means. But that flag means a lot to a lot of people. And when you do something that is uh, seen as disrespectful towards it, I got to tell you, I don't think that it is something that will uh, bring people to understanding your side of it. When you see someone burning the flag, does that make you think, oh, you know, I really want to know what those people uh, want us to want us to think, want to know what they're thinking about right there? No, of course not. So I think it's actually counterproductive for what uh, the NFL players who are kneeling want it to be. Uh, essentially, they're 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 just upsetting people, uh, some people who would otherwise agree with them through their actions, but it's their right to do so, and they are allowed to do it, and we'll see what the result of this is. I mean, are people going to be kneeling for the national anthem forever? I don't know, man. Could be. Might not be. I do know that we probably won't be seeing it on TV as much. ESPN has said they're not going to show the national anthem ceremony on TV which is fine. I remember when the only time they used to show it was during the Super Bowl, basically. Before the Super Bowl, with the flyovers and everything, they'd show it. And then your normal game, it would start right at kickoff. You'd see whoever the two guys uh, in the broadcast booth were talking about the game, maybe cut down to the quarterback on the field with the cameraman in front of him looking all statuesque. And then, hey, it's time for kickoff. And then the game would start. That's fine. A lot of people saying the ESPN are cowards for not showing it, though, and blah, blah, blah. Again, (sighs) extremists on both sides. I think the vast majority of us believe, hey, if you want to kneel, you go ahead and kneel. That's your right. It's my right to say I don't approve of it. There you go. That's, That's it. That's the end of the discussion right there. And whether it's actually brought anyone to the side of the argument that those kneeling think that they're on and think that people should be on, I don't see it. I don't see, I, I, I mean, have you met anyone who said, you know, I didn't really think about uh, police brutality when it comes to race in America and things like that, but now seeing these NFL players kneel, that's really uh, changed my mind on it. No, haven't heard anyone say that. <laughs> Nor have I. It just, it's not something that I've seen happen. Is it possible? Is there somebody out there? I imagine there's somebody out there who just never thought of it and then started looking into it and came down on one side or the other. It's a fascinating conversation and one that uh, I, I wish would be over, honestly. Yeah, I just, I'm tired too. of it. I don't want to talk about it anymore because you start going around in circles. Well, it's their right to kneel. Yes, it is. And it's my right to say I'd prefer that they stand. Whoa, no, that's not okay. Well, why is that not okay? Why is one person's right okay and one person's right not okay? And then on the other side, you have the people saying, well, they they don't have the right to kneel. Everybody should stand. Well, yes, they do have the right to kneel. You can't force them to stand. Also, let's bring up the obvious here, Jake. 
I say I would defend their right to do that. I would, if someone were trying to physically stop an NFL player from kneeling or whatever, whoever, one of these high school kids who's doing it as well, I would defend them with every ability that I had. When it comes to NFL players, um, I've been around quite a few of them. They don't need me defending no, them from don't. anything. You want to go up, and at, whether it's a punter, a kicker, or whomever in the NFL, you want to go try to get someone to, to who doesn't want to stand to stand? Good luck with that. You want to go up and attack them? That's probably not going to work out too well in your favor. <laughs> Again, think about Sean Springs, who was in studio with us just a few weeks ago. That man... I don't know if there were anything that he wanted to do. You and I together would be able to stop him from doing. One, uh, he's in much better shape than us. We'd be out of breath very quickly. Two, he's much faster than us. Yeah. He'll get away from us. Three, much stronger than us. Uh, you know, it's 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 that's that's the obvious thing. It's the uh, it's the one million pound elephant in the room. You ain't moving him. So again, this is a discussion that. I don't know what comes of it. It just goes around in circles, and and you can have arguments. I, I would prefer that the argument be based on fact and be based on numbers and be based on uh, perception versus reality, because I think that's really the big discussion to have here. But, hey, that's just me. In the meantime, I would prefer that you stand. As uh, uh, Amvet says, hashtag please stand. But if you uh, feel that you need to kneel, it is your right to do so, and I appreciate that. I don't like it, but I appreciate it. And that's all it comes down to. You know what I do like? Jill Pavel and Heart Songs for Veterans, Jake. It's an organization that's doing some pretty cool things with musicians raising money for veterans programs. We'll be right back with Jill after this on the Morning Briefing Tuesday post-Labor Day edition. Eric Damon, Jake Hughes, back in a moment. We're CBS Radio's ConnectingVets.com. Connecting Vets every day. Online and all over social media. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. At Connecting Vets. Welcome back to the morning briefing from Entercom Radio's ConnectingVets.com. Our next guest, well, she's going to be some music to your ears, or at least I think so, because... Jill Pavel is the founder of Heart Songs for Veterans. What exactly is Heart Song for Veterans? Well, it's a digital record label, and we're going to find out the details about that label from the founder. Jill, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. How are you, Eric? I'm doing fantastic. So, as I just mentioned, you founded Heart Songs for Veterans. People can go to the website, heartsongsforveterans.org. It's a digital record label. Tell us where the idea came from for starting the organization and what it is exactly that you do. Well, thank you so much for having me, first of all. And I founded Heart Songs for Veterans in 2013, and I tell people that it was an accidental record label. I really was looking to build an online campaign. I am a veteran supporter. Um, after 9-11, I really became less ignorant as American and started to pay attention to what was going on in our country. And one of the things that really struck me were, you know, friends of mine that were enlisting because they wanted to go, you know, sacrificing, you know, their, their, their everyday life to protect us. And, you know, I was really personally affected during 9-11 and it meant the world to me. So just naturally, I wanted to support my friends and I became interested in supporting our veterans and our active service members. Um, I work in the music industry and it just, you know, one that just struck me, uh, I was talking to an artist I was working with. I had been on on my personal time, I was helping a veteran fund uh, fund some fundraisers so that he could get a service dog. He had PTSD, and he was on a really long waiting list. And, you know, the, 
sometimes service dogs can be life-saving tools for our veterans. And, it, and for many, it's their last it's their last stop. They really, really need to have that service dog by their side. And I wanted to help them, and I had shared out on one of my social media platforms a congratulations to him within three months, I believe it was. We raised the $25,000 he needed to get a trained service dog and go through the training that he needed. And an artist that I was working with, I'm going to give him a shout-out, Andy Rudermel, called me up and he said, wow, did you really raise all that money? And I said, well, no, not me. I helped promote the campaign and lots of people jumped in to help. And he said, you know, I make music. I'm not a superstar by any stretch, but, you know, it just made me realize I don't give back to my community and I'm a veteran supporter. My best friend is serving in the military. So what can I do to help? And I literally went to bed, Eric, and in the middle of the night, I had one of those light bulb moments. I woke up and I'm like, wow, you know, I could have Andy write a song, and when I put it out for distribution, we could have proceeds from his digital sales go directly to a veteran org. And boom, heartsongsforveterans.org was born. We built the website, um, and I just started soliciting artists. Actually, we put a press release out, and, you know, the Nashville community responded very quickly, um, very patriotic part of our nation and there's a lot of singer songwriters down there that do that do work for veterans so right out of the gate i was blessed to have support from artists and the premise of the the overall mission is artists donate uh singles or sometimes a portion of their digital uh proceeds from an ep or full-length album and we pay it forward to veteran orcs but over the years it's it's really become so much more than that it's pretty amazing that there are people who are willing to to give of their work. I mean, I, I think it's difficult for those of us who are not in the artistic community to understand, like, oh, yeah, we like music. That's someone's livelihood. Yes. How impressive is it to you to know that these artists are willing to give up a portion of what they could be taking home to help these veterans organizations and veterans in general? Well, you know, I'm going to be very raw with you. It's it's a great, you know, for, listen, artists, are, indie artists are starving artists. And, and, you know, just like if you were in the entertainment world or making movies, what did they say? They all wait tables. It's the same thing in the music industry. You know, these artists sometimes work two, three jobs, and they fund their own recordings. A decent recording can start at $500 and go as much as a couple thousand dollars. So right out of the gate for an artist to sacrifice the cost involved of recording and then turning around and donating it to a veteran cause, that's, that's quite amazing. And what's even more amazing and this is just me keeping it real, we don't get much of a return on digital sales. You know, there's so much pirating going out there. So really, the platform is about donating the royalties, um, but it, it becomes much more than that for the artists and for us, um, you know, than, than just donating their songs. It is, it's absolutely, it's, it really has to come from their heart. They have to be invested in the process. Over the years, um, we actually are doing a lot of work with veteran artists right now, meaning um, military people who, you know, now aspire to be singer-songwriters. And we actually work with them. I funded a young man who was just getting out of the Marines a couple months ago. Um, he came and stayed with me, and we took him into the studio and paid for his recordings. Um, you know, this is what he wants to do for himself now that he's finished serving his country. So it's it's really just become a much broader platform than the artists donating their music. Um, we get asked to do galas. My artists do not get galas, fundraisers, they don't get paid for that. Um, we, we, we ask that their expenses be covered, travel, and please feed them. <laughs> but, you know, they're volunteering their time as well to come out there and, and help these organizations 
you know, um, you know, raise the bar on their events so we can help support what they're trying to do, what their mission of the event is. Um, sometimes we've gone out and just helped with registration. Um, so, you know, really, we just want to be a catalyst to support these great organizations. And you know there's so many, Eric. Um, part of what we've been focused on the last couple of years is working with some of the smaller organizations, the organizations that are embedded within communities within America that don't necessarily um, fund themselves through grants, you know, big grants. They're really just boots on the ground. And those are the organizations that we've been really focused on supporting. Um, yeah, and there are a ton of those organizations, and they're organizations that are doing great work, often paying out of their own pocket to do so, uh, kind of similar to, let's say, the indie music industry, where those musicians, uh, they're doing what they love and what they want to do, but they're also having to fund it themselves. A lot of these veterans organizations aren't the American Legion or the VFW or you know, pick your major via uh, veterans organization. A lot of them are struggling to get by and need a little help, don't they? They do, and if it's okay, I'm going to share a story about one of these organizations. Uh, based in Virginia, my friend Bill Ciappone, um, he goes by Chico. He has a wonderful organization called N22. And, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a, fa- a father. His son took his life. And, and this is, you know, he turned his, his agony, his heartache, into paying it forward and creating a platform, you know, to help raise awareness um, and support for veterans with PTSD. He doesn't want others to go through what he and his family have gone through. And just recently, a uh, wonderful veteran I've, I've known for a couple of years, he saved his money. He's a working man. He lives in Atlanta. Um, he saved his money. His name is Steve Gutierrez. And he finally raised enough money for himself to be able to go into the studio, write and record a song called Stop the 22, and he's donated it to Bill's organization, N22. And, and what does that do? Well, it creates awareness. You know, we have heart songs for veterans is sharing this single out. Steve is sharing it out now through his personal platform. So it's not just about the money. It's really about we can raise a lot of awareness for these smaller organizations. And, you know, like you said, these guys are out there doing some really important work within the community. They absolutely are, and we've we've had the pleasure of speaking to so many organizations here over the uh, the year plus now that we've been doing this show. And it sounds like Heart Songs for Veterans uh, and you, Jill Pavel, the founder of Heart Songs for Veterans, who's our guest right now on the morning briefing. It sounds like you're fully aware of that, and that's kind of what the real mission of Heart Song for Veterans is. Of course, the mission for Heart Songs for Veterans can't be completed without the artists. As you mentioned, a number of veteran artists, a number of other indie artists who are uh, maybe not tightly affiliated with the veteran community, being veterans themselves, but certainly want to help out. How do you find the artists who participate in this? Do they come out to you? Do you reach out to them, or is it a combination of both? Well, you know, now, you know, we've been around for a while, so they just organically come to me. And I would say 95% of the artists that reach out to me are, are, like I said, veterans and or active military. Um, you know, who's going to be more invested in helping their brothers and sisters than people who have served themselves. Um, So they just find us. And, you know, we do go through a vetting process. You know, we make sure that, you know, we're dealing with actual veterans. And we also go through a vetting process on who we're giving our money to. Um, My charity director, Kenna Hunter, is a combat-wounded veteran's wife. Um, She, her husband, uh, deployed multiple times with the Army. And May 31st, 2012, he stepped on an IED I met Kenna and her husband, uh, Sergeant Eric Hunter, at Walter Reed. That young man lived at the hospital with his family for three and a half years. Um, he lost a leg. He lived through 61 surgeries uh, to retain his other leg, which I think he's going to end up losing at this juncture. But, you know, gratefully, Eric's now living his life. And I met Kenna somehow through my travels. And 
you know, again, who better to vet the actual organizations than somebody who's been dealing with the organizations? So it's it, everything has really happened organically, and that gives me a lot of hope and faith in, in our country as a whole. You know, we haven't had to go out and solicit, hey, come to Heart Songs for Veterans. People come to us and say, how can we help? And that's amazing. It really is. And it's good to know that there are organizations out there and that there are those in the artistic community who are interested in helping out veterans, because I I think there is a divide. And it's something that that you talked about prior to 9-11. You weren't really aware of what the military did. And that's despite the fact that you actually have some military connections in your family. Right. Didn't your your father serve? Were you saying I do? Yes. My stepfather, Marty, served in the Korean War. My uncle Mel served in the Vietnam War. And my nephew is now a, a Marine. He's been in the Marines for 14 years. Super proud of him. Rock. And, uh, and so, yes, I personally have military ties, um, you know, but it's not just about my connection to my family. I, I love my country. Right. And I really have a true understanding of, of, you know, why these young men and women, you know, sign up and go to serve the country. It, it takes a, it, it's such a great sacrifice and not just for the individual serving, but I say this all the time, when an individual signs up to serve our country and they put their name on that paperwork and say, I'm turning my life over to to you so I can serve you, America, in in essence, they're also serving, they're also signing up their family members. And, you know, along my journey, you know, I've met so many gold star parents, gold star moms and dads and, and sisters and brothers. I've met blue star families. And, you know, for me personally, it's, it's, anything I can do to help, you know, there's a really cool organization. We do a monthly recurring donation to them uh, called Lift the 22. And what do they do? They provide free gym memberships to veterans as a vehicle to to help raise them up. That was started by uh, uh, veteran Carter Davis out in Texas. I do a lot of work with the Combat Wounded Coalition in your area with Jay Redmond. Um, You know, we've done some fundraisers for them and you know, a lot. Uh, we have a monthly donation with them. We love the work that they're doing. So it's really just about, it's not, I hate to say this, like, I love the fact that we're making music, but it's become so much more than that. And by the way, big PS, we're small potatoes. There's some really big music-oriented organizations out there doing what we're doing on a much more progressive level because they have a lot more funding. And guess what? We support them too. You know, some right. really great organizations like Operation Song and you know, anything we all can do together, if we all pitch in and do something and we all come collectively together, then we're making a difference. And I say if we can save one life, then we've done our job well. And for me, it became not so much like, oh, let's make this fun, feel-good platform. It was really about saving lives. It was about raising awareness about PTSD, which to some people, that's just a catchphrase. I don't think a lot of people out there really understand what, what our active military and our veterans are going through you know, and, and, and what they deal with when they come home after their service right. or during their service. So for me, it really was very personal. It was about helping to save lives. We're speaking with Jill Pavel, founder of Heart Songs for Veterans. Jill, your background is in marketing and public relations. That's something that you've been able to use uh, to, in this way to help veterans and to help charities. If there's someone out there who's thinking, I like what Jill is doing, I, I, I need to figure out how to uh, use the skills and the profession and the career that I have, the contacts to do something similar, what would you recommend as a good first step for them? Well, they can just contact us. We have a great website and they can you know, peruse the website and see some of the cool things that we've done. Um, and they can contact us. They can contact us through all the social media pages. Um, HeartSongsForVeterans.org is our website. We have contact information 
on that website and reach out to us. And, and we'd love to have your help. Like I said, everybody's welcome to help. That's what this is all about. It's about being there for our veterans. Right. And as far as those who, who would like to start an organization that does something similar but different, that, that they're thinking, you know, this could maybe work for whatever industry it is that they work in, that they'd be able to figure out uh, something that would, would work in a different space doing a similar thing. How would you recommend they go about exploring that and getting started like you did with Heart Songs for Veterans? Uh, gosh, you know, I, I have to preface this by saying that I am that person that when I get an idea, I jump into it. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty brave that way. So I just kind of run, ran with it. You know, like I said, I woke up in the middle of the night. I had an idea. I literally jumped on my computer the next day. Like you said, you have that marketing and PR background. And I started building a platform. I built a website. And that's where I started. You know, I put the, put the business plan together and I kept it real simple at first. We had no idea how this this organization was going to grow and or what we could do with it. So, you know, don't try to make big lofty goals, create a specific mission, focus on it, build your platform and start promoting, you know, and do it and do it the right way. Make sure that the people you're working with are vetted. Yeah, that's definitely important. I mean, we've seen too many stories of people being taken advantage of with their good intentions being taken advantage of by unscrupulous individuals and organizations. So that's certainly wise advice from Jill Pavel, the founder of Heart Songs for Veterans. Jill, you've already mentioned the site a couple of times, but if people are interested in reaching out to you, whether they're an artist, whether they're someone who thinks that they have something they could offer to you to assist in the mission of Heart Songs for Veterans, how would you recommend they go about doing that? Where can they go to find out more about the informa- uh, the, the, the organization and how can they contact you? They can contact us at info at heartsongscorp.com. They can go to our website at heartsongsforveterans.org. All of our social media platforms and our, web, our, our email addresses are on there as well. Um, we're very active on the social media. It gives us a place to not just promote the good work that we're doing, but we're very big on promoting other organizations' work as well. And uh, it's, it's just a great way to, to really support the veteran community. So just reach out and you'll get a response. We, we love people reaching out to us. And, you know, the best part of what I do is when we actually get an email or a letter from a veteran saying, we really appreciate what you're doing. It just matters so much. And the songs that we're putting out, you know, especially of late the last couple of years, are really geared towards telling the veteran's stories. And I think that's really important. It's, it's sometimes it's the only hope that somebody has is having somebody be there uh, you know, to show them that they support them and they appreciate. And say thank you to your veterans. Say thank you for the for the service. If you see somebody that 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 has served our country, stop and say thank you. It means the world to our veterans. We've been speaking with Jill Pavel, founder of Heart Songs for Veterans, here on the morning briefing from Entercom Radios, ConnectingVets.com. Jill, thank you so much for your time today. And more importantly, thank you for the work that you've been doing through Heart Songs for Veterans. It's really cool, and I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, Eric, for having us. You know, Jake, it's great to see organizations out there trying to find new and different ways to help veterans out. And in the case of Heart Songs for Veterans, using music to do so. Uh, if you go and look at their website, a lot of country music artists on there, some hip-hop music artists, some rock artists, a variety, really, but all people who are either veterans themselves and want to help out their fellow vets or people who just seem to have an affinity for the veteran community. Kind of warms your heart, musically speaking. It, <laughs> it does, and uh, because I'm a musician myself, well, kind of a musician, I'm a drummer, yeah. so there's that old joke of... Uh, 
uh, three musicians and a drummer walk into a bar. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, but it really good because music helps me a lot. It really helps me sort of process things. Helps me regulate emotions sometimes when I'm having trouble doing so. So to see people using music to reach veterans is a really good thing. Yeah, and it, it's interesting to see how many veterans there are in the music business. These are all indep- independent artists through Heart Songs for Veterans, the, the vets that are on there. But there are quite a few veterans uh, historically who have done things. Uh, of great importance in the musical world. I actually did a story a few months ago, back in March, on the top five rockin' vets. And some of the names on there seemed to surprise some people that I knew and that are very into being veterans and like knowing things about the veteran community. Didn't know some of the names on this list, including Jason Eversman. Do you know who he is, Jake? The name sounds familiar. He was actually in Nirvana. Yes, that's right. He was also in uh, uh, Soundgarden, wasn't he? Yeah, he was in Nirvana. He was in Soundgarden. He was in a few bands. He was up in uh, basically the Seattle area when grunge broke out and was affiliated with both of those bands, was part of the uh, the initial Nirvana lineup with Kurt Cobain, Chris Novoselic, and another guy who I don't know. It was yeah, before Dave Grohl was there. Some basically. dude. Well, I think, and actually Nirvana, I think at one point, the drummer who would end up being the drummer for Luscious Jackson, I can't remember her name, Kate something or other, I think, she was uh, in the running to be the uh, the drummer for Nirvana, but was oh. beaten out by Dave Grohl. Yeah, one of those interesting things that happens out there. Jason would go on to actually serve in Special Forces. He was a member of 2nd Ranger Battalion and 3rd Special Forces Group. He deployed to both Iraq and Afghanistan, and also apparently spent some time studying with Buddhist monks in Tibet because he wanted his life to be that much more different from everybody yeah, like else. Yeah, like you do. Yeah. There. Uh, I was in Nirvana and uh, 3rd Special Forces Group, 2nd Ranger Battalion. Oh, and I studied uh, with Buddhist monks. I was in Nirvana, and I attained Nirvana. <laughs> there you go. How did I not think about putting that in the article? Oh, boy. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Get me a time machine. I'll go back to March when I originally wrote this story. Here's another one. A legend when it comes to uh, the guitar and when it comes to the American style of music that really led to the break of rock and roll. That, of course, being the blues, the late, great B.B. King, one of the greatest guitarists of all time. Of course, influenced everybody from Eric Clapton to Keith Richards, Jimi Hendrix, and so on. Served in the Army in World War II. He spent his time stateside at a unit that uh, basically produced and procured cotton within the United States. People forget a lot of those who served during World War II didn't serve in the combat theaters. There were many, many more who served in support roles, whether it was back in the States at the training grounds or it was, uh, you know, industry was totally different back then. So there were actual military units that produced and procured cotton and made those uniforms and did all sorts of cool things. But just uh, one of those time frames again, World War II, where just about everybody served in one shape or form, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Here's one of my favorites, actually, from probably my favorite band of uh, of all time. It wasn't always the case, but then there was just a moment where I started, everything just clicked, and that is Tool. Their lead singer, Maynard James Keenan, actually served in your United States Army, Jake. Really? I did yeah. not know that. He actually went to, uh, the, the, he's a very private person, uh, much more so than most rock stars are, I would say, especially, and actually went to uh, MAPS, the Military Academy Prep School, with an eye towards going to West Point. He said uh, during an appearance on the Mark Marin show where he went through uh, the WTF podcast with Mark Marin, it's a wide-ranging interview thing. You may remember President Obama going on it a few years ago. He said that he uh, his whole goal of going in was to get the Army to pay for him to go to art school. That's what he wanted to do. They wanted him to go to the um, 
uh, the the West Point, and he ended up that that didn't happen. He finished out serving his time in a regular unit, uh, not during wartime. Ended up getting hurt a few times, like apparently from what he said, doing stupid stuff like cleaning out the barracks and things like that. <laughs> Seems like that's where he spent uh, most of his time. And says that the reason that he joined the service was the movie Stripes, starring Bill Murray. Hey, I still say it's one of the more accurate military movies out there. People ask me how the mil- what the military is like, the army's like. I say it's like Stripes, but less funny. People ask me about military broadcasting. They're like, is it anything like Good Morning Vietnam? And I said, it's exactly like Good Morning Vietnam. I had bosses who were just like that boss who was always uh, not not the the evil first sergeant there, but the, the young officer who was like, well, we just need to do more wacky voices and things like that. I submit that Good Morning Vietnam starring Robin Williams is perhaps the most accurate depiction of my time in the military, much more so than Full Metal Jacket, which showed the other side of what I did, the print journalism and photography side, which was, uh, yeah, it was it was slightly different from uh, what I actually experienced uh, being over in the war and walking around, of course, Vietnam and Afghanistan, particularly at the time that I was in Afghanistan, 2010, 2011, very, very different things going on there. United States Air Force, we cannot leave them out, Jake, and, and who does? Everyone. Well, that's true, yeah, except for the Coast Guard, but well, yeah. We kid Air Force, we kid because we love, and I love this Air Force veteran who is a musician. There's actually a scene in the, the, the movie that they made about him starring Joaquin Phoenix where Johnny Cash is overseas, I believe, in Germany when he's writing, um, oh my goodness, why am I blanking on like his most famous song? Ring of Fire? No, 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 no! Not Ring of Fire. Uh, Boy named Sue. No, not Boy named Sue. The the big one. The the the, the uh, Folsom Prison Blues. There you go. Oh. He's writing that uh, the the song that was actually his big break. He wrote that while he was in uniform, serving over in Germany. Uh, he was a Morse code operator. So I don't know. You could check out those old Johnny Cash albums and uh, check out the uh, the tablature of his guitar playing to see if there's any Morse code hidden in there. <laughs> I don't believe there is. And then. The greatest guitarist of all time, a lot of people say. Jimi Hendrix, he was, of course, in the United States Army. Didn't work out all that yeah, well. 101st no. Airborne, 1961, 1961 to 62. One of the biggest things that came out of his time in the Army is he actually met bass player Billy Cox while both were serving at Fort Campbell. Cox would eventually be a member of several of Jimmy's bands, including Band of Gypsies, New Experience, and the short-lived Gypsy Sun and Rainbows, which played only three shows, one of which was a legendary Woodstock performance. One of my college professors performed at Woodstock with the group Shanana. It's a true story. My Swahili <laughs> professor played Woodstock and actually told me the story of meeting Billy Cox and talking to him. And he knew Jimmy, and Jimmy introduced him to Billy, and uh, he said it was pretty interesting. But a lot of interesting things going on. Check out Heart Songs for Veterans, and be sure to check out ConnectingVets.com and following us on social media, where we are at ConnectingVets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And that finishes up a slightly shortened version of the show today. We'll be back tomorrow. Going to talk to a doctor from the VA. And, of course, we're also going to talk to the American Legion because it's Wednesday. You're listening to The Morning Briefing. Eric Dame, Jake Hughes. Have a great day. See you tomorrow. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.